so much. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right, let's go back to the, uh, the book of Philippians. I hope you enjoying the book of Philippians. It is a very encouraging book. I don't say it's my favorite book because every time I read a book in the Bible, I say it's my favorite book. <laughs> but it is definitely a very encouraging book. And tonight we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verse beginning of, at verse 19. Philippians 2, 19. And I will get this somehow. Here we are. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 19. Look what it says. But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To send Timotheus shortly unto you. That I also may be of good comfort. When I know your state. For I have no men like minded. Who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own. Not the things which are Jesus Christ. But he know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he had served me with the, me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Ephrodias, my brother and companion in labor and fellow worker, uh, fellow soldier, I'm sorry, but your, mess, uh, but your messenger uh, that he, that, uh, that, I'm sorry, that he that ministered to my want. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he has been sick. For indeed he was sick night unto death, but God and mercy are on him, and, and not on him only, but also on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more careful, carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be, and that I may be the last sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the Lord of for the work of Christ is was night unto death, not regarding his life, to supply uh, your lack of service towards me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. There's so much we can take from it. And I pray, Father, give us something tonight we can apply, we can take home with us. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone here or online that never received Jesus as personal Savior, may today, Lord, and make peace with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Two role models in here. That's the title of the message. You like role models? Do you have a role model? Me? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so tonight we're going to a, a very different part of the letter today. Instead of Paul talking about his circumstances in Rome or the Philippians, uh, circumstances in Philippi, instead, instead we get a bit of a, of a travel log in here, so to speak. Paul is basically discussing his upcoming plans. See, he's not ready to, ready to die <laughs> or be executed. He, he's hoping to come back to visit the Philippian church. Now, you have to understand right here, the Philippians was a very, or the church of Philippi was a very dear church to him. He loved that church. One of the why is a very encouraging ladder to them. That's something that was in his heart. This church was in his heart. Okay, let me put it this way. When I travel away, I love this church. Now, I become the pastor here. I love the people of this church. 
You are very dear to me. Each one of you, very dear to me. You know, so I, when, when I'm away, I wanted to watch the service here because I want to see you. And I go, look, I say, oh, he goes so-and-so. He goes, because sometimes you see in the camera, you see the, the heads going by. <laughs> Just a little, you know, I see the whole of you. But, but you know what? You, you earn to be, you want to be there. Your heart wants to be there, even though you're physically not there. That was Paul. Paul loved the Philippian church. Okay? He wanted to be there. So, after the deep theology and soaring praise, chapter 2, or verse 5 to 11, and the powerful commands, Chapter 2, verse 12 to 18. This, uh, uh, this part of the letter might seem a little dull or a little ordinary at first glance when we read it. It's like, where in the world am I reading here? Well, but it's a, it's a good reminder that much of, of life is ordinary, isn't it? And well, we learn some of the greatest lessons from God in the ordinary things of life. In everyday life, we learn so much from God. So do you have, like I said, do you have a role model in your life? Do you? Do you have a role model in your life? <laughs> I mean, I think everybody should have a role model. All right? Everybody should have a role model. So everybody should have a role model. Why? We should all have people that we admire, people that we look up to, people who are living the way we want to live, or we try to be like them. Now, be them. Don't be them, okay? Or be like them in some way. So a good strong role model can be a powerful shaping force in our lives. So for an example, our culture throws plenty of role models at us. Plenty of them. But unfortunately, unfortunately, they are not always the best kind, neither the best examples. So we kind of like, oh, you have to watch what kind of role model you want. Okay? Because our society, for an example, we live in a celebrity culture. We are role models are usually people who have achieved success or either in music or sports or acting. There seems like the biggest ones. Now, they're, they're, uh, there's nothing any wrong with that, but, you know, it's just the, uh, the way many of those people succeed in those areas and the kind of lifestyle that they live. And you want to imitate that. Probably not. So we need role models who are very closer, uh, who are a little closer to us, people who are doing a good job of living, uh, of living that we can look and say, I can do that, okay? So early in this letter, Paul tells us we should have the same attitude as Jesus Christ, and that's good, and that's important too. Actually, the Bible wants us to be more like Jesus. You say, well, uh, Jesus is going to be my role model. Well, that's a good thing. It's wonderful. Because actually the Bible teaches that we ought to be more or to turn more into the image of Christ. Right? But he might say, what? Pastor, Jesus my role model? Okay. I mean, yes, he's a perfect role model. But that's the problem also. We're not perfect. <laughs> okay? We ought to be more like Jesus, but we're not perfect. He is. How could... I could never be like Jesus, and we will never be like Him. But we can try to be like Him, right? We can try. But we never be like Him because it's perfect. We're not. Now, that's just too big of a stretch for me. You even may think that. Well, I agree. That was a pretty big stretch, although God does call us to be like Christ. And He does offer to help us uh, with His Holy Spirit that dwells in those of us who are believers to, be, to turn more into the image of His Son. But here is, in, the Philippians, in Philippians, Paul presents us two role models who are certainly closer to us, okay? Two people with all the same weakness as we have, 
but two people, you know, with the same emotions and feelings that we have together as humans, but people who can be great uh, role models, who are great role models, and we're going to look at them. The first one is Timothy, and the second one is Aphrodias. There was two people, right, two different people, but two great examples of godliness. And people we can say, I can pet myself after that. They, let me ask you this question. Were they perfect? No. They were not perfect. But they were examples to follow. Not to be like them, but to, to, to look at them and say, I can do that myself. It would have good help to look into because it was like, you know, we have to be more like Jesus. Perfectly. We have to turn into the image of Christ. That's true. This is the thing. But some Christians get discouraged. I can never be like Christ, which is true, because He's perfect. I'm not. But his role models in the Christian life, people that we can say, that's a godly person, that is a godly woman, that is a godly man, that's a godly young man, that's a godly young woman there. I, I, I think I can, I can look at that, okay? But now, let's look at this, okay? Two role models here tonight. Number one, we see the unselfish servants. From verse 19 to verse 24, you see an unselfish servant. You might recall in Philippians 1.1 that this role ladder is addressed to the Philippians from Paul and Timothy together. And here Paul presents Timothy as a role model to those because Timothy is a great example of an unselfish service. Would you like to have somebody close to you as a role model who is, an, is very unselfish? You don't want to be, have somebody as a role model as a selfish individual. Because selfish people just want for themselves. Right. But an unselfish person is a giving person. He's a person that's like, you know what? What I have is yours. You know, doesn't hold anything back. They're very unselfish. So Timothy has certainly taken Paul's word to heart about having the same attitude as Christ when it comes to other people. And there are three areas in particular where Paul urges us to follow Timothy's example right here. Number one, letter A, you see a genuine interest for others. Look at verse 19 and 20. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded, look what he says there, who will naturally care for your state. You see that? Paul said, I know this guy. I know who he is. I know him in and out. And I tell you what. This guy cares about you enough, and I'm going to send them to you. This is the person that I trust the most to send it to you. It's not like, doesn't mean that he didn't like the other ones. I mean, this is the man that Paul said, I trust this one. And you know what? He is the guy that you want. Okay, so, let's say right here. So, uh, once again, Paul presents this role model, uh, this role model to us by the way of a travel log, so to speak. He is simply talking about upcoming plans for various visits, and he mentioned that he will be sending Timothy to, the, to, to them soon. So, but even the way Paul presents these plans provides us a valuable lesson. Notice the way he writes, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. See, he doesn't say, I trust myself. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you. So Paul makes plans in Christ, okay? But he defers all his plans to Christ. You follow that? Okay, the word trust is a strong word here. A word, uh, a word of almost certainty. And yet when it says, I trust in the Lord Jesus, he really means if the Lord wills. That's what he's saying. In practical, today's English, he says, if the Lord wills, I'm going to send Timothy to you. 
You follow that? Okay? So, we should make all of our plans carefully and briefly, and yet, at the same time, leave the final results to whom? To God. Like Paul, we can say, I trust in the Lord Jesus. If He will, it will come to pass. We say, I see you tomorrow if the Lord wills. Right? I many of us say that. Hey, see you tomorrow, Lord willing. I'll be here tomorrow. Because ultimately, we make the plans to see each other again if Lord wills. You follow that? Okay? The people of the world does not say that. Unsafe people don't say that, but I, I hear many Christians saying that. Hey, see you tomorrow, Lord willing. It's a common practice of Christians. We say that all the time. I mean, should be. Because it ultimately is up to the Lord, right? So now, why is Paul sending Timothy? Wasn't Paul in need himself? What we see here is the selflessness of Paul. Even in his need, he was willing to send Timothy away for the sake of others. See, Timothy learned with Paul, and now Timothy is putting into practice what he learned with Paul. You follow Paul said, I'm okay. They need your help. You go over there. Why is Paul sending Timothy? Look what it says in verse 19. That I, that I also may of good, be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul is more interested in the Philippians a condition, a state, than he was about himself. You know, we live in a society that is the opposite. I need my comfort. I need my goodwill and the way I am, and everything else comes after. Paul is in prison saying, no, I'm sending them to you because, if Lord willing, I'm sending that to you because I'm okay, but I'm concerned about you. And Timothy is a guy that imitates Paul right here, and he said, I'm going. So, his purpose is that both sides may be encouraged or cheered up. So the Philippians will be encouraged when they receive good news about Paul. And Paul will be encouraged when Timothy returns with good news about them. So, and why is Paul sending Timothy rather than someone else? Look at verse 20. For I have no man like-minded. You see that? Who will naturally care for your state. Paul says, I have nobody else that thinks the same way I do. Wow. So Paul had a lot of good co-workers. I believe that. He, he names a bunch of them in various different letters, but Timothy was special. A role model is special. You follow that? The phrase like money carries the idea of like him. Paul was had to, to add no one else like Timothy who was like-minded with Paul. They had the same mind. They had a lot in common. They understood each other. Timothy was Paul's right man, so to speak. Paul found in Timothy a kindred spirit, someone who shared the same purpose and goals for the gospel. And not only that, but someone who shared the same love for the Philippian church. I'll tell you what. It is easy to go out and, and on visitation when you have somebody the same mind you have. Because now you have the same goal and we think in the same way. It's, it easy, it's easy to do anything in the local church when everybody is the same mind. You know, yesterday was wonderful. You know why? Because all of us had the same mind. Amen. You know, that's why everything went. I mean, I was so joyful yesterday, not just because of the people. It's because of you. Everybody was like, oh, this is so good. Amen. You know what? And when everybody is the same mind and like mind, and guess what? Things are much easier to do. <laughs> we can accomplish so much. You know, actually, you said that to me. said, we did this a lot faster than last year. You know, set it up and put it down. 
You know what? I think this year, I think the Jew is a lot bigger than last year. Are you agree with me? It was the Jew, it was just overflowing. So, the same thing right here. So, the word natural, naturally care, here in the same word, is the same word using for worrying uh, uh, in Philippians 4. They are, they are told not to worry, but we are, we hear the word is used in the positive context of caring of, of, for or being concerned about others. So, there is a fine line between worry here and concern. And that's actually this morning we talk about that. And yet we are to walk uh, that close, close line and closely as, as closely as we can. Let me tell you what. Concern and worry are very, very close together. Because if you don't be careful, you concern it. And before you know, you are worried about it. You know, you have a problem. You concern it before you know. Oh, and you're all worried about the thing. So be careful with that. Don't, say, don't be all, all, all worried about things. And say, oh, I'm just concerned. And somebody goes to you, no, no, you're worried. <laughs> All right, be careful with that fine line, okay? So we have to take a genuine interest in others' needs without taking all the burden uh, uh, um, all the burden on ourselves. So we need to care about other people, but then we need to cast those cares upon the Lord so that we don't give, give in to worry and anxiety about people. You know, Paul was concerned about the Philippian church, but Paul was not experiencing any worry. He said, if Lord willing. See, he loved them. He cared for them. He knew the, the situation, but he was not worried about it. He gave it to the Lord. The same thing. We ought to do things for other people. We ought to help those who are in. We have to do everything we can for other people. You know what? And we put ourselves aside. But listen, in the Lord. Don't worry about it. You, is it we can express concern, but be careful with that fine line. But ultimately, in the Lord. Otherwise, we're going to get ourselves in a, a worry and anxiety, and we don't want that. So that's the first area where Paul presents Timothy as a role model to the Philippian church. Let it be. We see a genuine interest for Christ first. Look what it says in verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are in Jesus Christ. But he know the proof of him that as soon as a son with the Father, he had served with me in the gospel. You see, secondly, Put Christ's interest first. That's what we need to do. This wasn't a slam on Paul's other co-workers. Believe it was not. In fact, Paul was will have good things to say about Ephrodias. We're going to look at him in a little bit. He's another role model here. It's just in just a few verses. So Paul is making a general observation here about most people. And let's face it. Most people look out for their own interests instead of interests of others in Christ. You follow that? It is a natural human way of doing things, we have a tendency to look at our own self-interest first in, instead of others. But we have to be careful when we look at interests of others and try to help them, them up, help them up in Christ. Okay? It is a good thing to take a genuine interest on others, but we need to be careful. So don't let other, other, people, other people's needs dictate your life rather than Jesus Christ. We are to serve Christ by serving others, but we are to serve Christ first. You follow that? We don't want to put others first. Christ comes first. We said this morning, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and those things will be added unto you. But let me tell you this, Christ first, others after. But when we serve others, we must serve others, others in Christ's name. You follow that? Otherwise, we're not doing it right. We serve other people in Christ's name. Okay? 
And that's what Paul is doing to Timothy here. And they were both of the same mind here. Let us see. Prove yourself in your, in your work for Christ. Take a genuine interest in others. Put Christ's interest first. And then thirdly, prove yourself in your work for Christ. Look at verse 22. But ye but know the proof of him that as a son with the father he had served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. So, look at verse 24, but I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. So Timothy had proved himself in his work for Christ. This speaks of a uh, as a consistency in his part in his living right here. So Timothy didn't have, uh, didn't just have a few bright moments when he shined as a Christian, but day, uh, but day in and day out, uh, week in and week out, year in and year out, he proved himself he was a straight, constant uh, uh, a servant of the Lord. He didn't waver. He just kept on going. I tell you what, I praise the Lord for, I see some of you here, and praise the Lord, I am at you, but I see you. You're constantly working for God. You're constantly there. Always like, okay, pastor, can I do? And I, it, it blesses my heart because I see the consistency. And God, don't you think God gets glorified with that? Yes. Of course he does. And Paul says right here, this guy is like-minded with me because I see his work. He's like a son to me, but he's consistent. You know, I tell you what, I've been a Christian long enough to see how some Christians that shine for a little bit. Then they go in the ways of the world. They come back for a little while. They go back in the ways of the world. And we're glad when they come back. But I, I praise the Lord for those who consistently, consistently serve God. Consistently. Day in, day out. Week in, week out. Year in, year out. They're there. You, you can count on them. They're there to serve the Lord together. And no, that blesses your heart to see that. Because you know what happens? We grow together. We grow together in the Lord. We make a difference in the world that we live in. Remember, this is our time. This is our time. We don't live yesterday. We don't, gonna, we don't know if you're going to live tomorrow. This is our, we were born for such a time as this. This is our time. Okay? So Christian, uh, let me put, go, go down here. Look, it says in Philippians 2.22, says, But you know the proof of him that as a son with the father yet served with me, in the gospel. So Paul's words bring to mind the apprenticeship right here of early days. Even sons work alongside with their fathers and learn their trade as their fathers at their father's hand. Listen, I learned construction where? At my father's hand. My father said, you're going to learn my trade. I learned the trade of construction with my dad. In the old days, that's the way it used to be. The boys go to the farm, whatever profession the parents had, and they learn with the parents. The, the young ladies used to learn with the mothers. That's the way it used to be. Today, I don't know what it is. In some areas or some countries or some cultures, still the same. But in America, it's not the same. It's not the way it was. But in the old days, that's the way I was when I grew up. That's the way. I know what I know. A lot of things from my grandpa, my, my own father. You know, you learn those traits. And Paul says right here, He's been my son in the faith, he, and I, I treat him as a son. He looks at me as a spiritual father. He's been learning the trade with me. Wow. So, Timothy served with Paul as a son with the father. Paul loved Timothy as a father loves his son. So notice that Paul doesn't, does not say, Timothy served me, but rather Timothy served with me. 
You follow that? Even though he looked at, at, at him as a, as a spiritual father to him, he doesn't say he didn't serve me, he served with me. Wow. Okay, so have you proved yourself in your work for Christ? Are you consistently in your walk with the Lord? Are you regularly or regularly come to church and praise the Lord together? I tell you, these are important things. So can people count on you to do your part in the body of Christ? So they could, uh, they could with Timothy. Timothy, look at it. Timothy was a dependable young man. He was dependable. He was open. He was available to the Lord. You know, praise the Lord for people like that. Hey, I said I need workers. Guess what? I got a whole bunch of people that say, let's do it. Amen. You know what? That is great. You know how much it blesses a pastor? When, you know, people make themselves available. What about when the Lord calls us? I want you to do that. Lord, hear my, send me. I came to a point, I said, Lord, hear my, send me. Whatever you want me to do, I'm here, Lord. You know? I tell you what, I struggled immensely one time. I thought that he was sending me to be a missionary to Portugal. Then one time I thought he was sending me to be a missionary to South America. I, don't, I kept to a point like I struggled. I really didn't want to go. You know, it's like, oh, you can go to my homeland. You know, I, it's, I'm familiar. It's my culture. But you know what? It had to come to a point on which it said, Lord, here am I. Send me. If you, want me to, if you want me to go there, I'm willing, Lord. That's when the peace of God just came to me. And the Lord says, this, this is where I want you to go. You see, I think it comes to that because it comes to a point where if we are dependable, if we make ourselves available, the Lord will going to say to you, I want you to do this for me. You know, God uses dependable people. That's what he uses. And he said, well, I'm too busy. No, listen, when we are dependable and available, there's nothing that can prevent us from saying, Lord, here am I, send me. I will go, Lord. Okay? So, as soon as Paul knew what was happening with his own situation, he would send Timothy, because he's hoping here that he's going to come out of that, to the Philippians just so they would know, and he was confident in himself that this, that time would come soon. Paul never left there, of course we know that. So notice Paul in a, is full of hope and confident even though he is in prison. And, is why, and why is that? It is because of the Lord. He is confident in the Lord. And so he, was, he, he has hope. Uh, he had hope and confidence that one day, this day would come. But you know what? It never came. So Timothy was a special person to Paul. Paul had now one else like him. So he presented Timothy as a role model to the Philippian church. And, so, and to us as well. So what do we learn from Timothy? Take a genuine interest in others. That's what he did. Put Christ's interest first. That's another trait of him. And he proved himself in the work of Christ. Timothy is a great example of an unselfish servant. Can you have that as a role model? Yes. Listen, do you want a role model for uh, like a selfish person for a role model? I don't. I don't. But Timothy has this trait about himself that make him a wonderful role model. Like a person that he could go to the Philippian church and people could look at him. This is a Christian man. This is a man of God right here. We can pat ourselves after him. Number two, let's look at the second role model. See, first of all, we see Timothy, go back here a little bit, is an unselfish servant. And the second servant we see here, totally different person, is the suffering servant. 
verse from verse 25 to verse 30. Now Paul was going to send Timothy as soon as he knew about uh, more about his own situation. But before he sent Timothy, he, he still needed to send this letter to the Philippians. And the person he chose to bring the letter was Ephrodias right here, who is uh, uh, who in our second letter uh, uh, is our second role model here tonight. So he talks about Timothy, but now. He's going to send a letter to, to the Philippian church. Remember this. In those days, there was no emails. There was no cell phones. It was somebody who's going to deliver the letter personally. Oh, wow. So he needs somebody that is going there to the Philippian church, all the way over Rome to Philippi, to send that letter to that church. And he doesn't choose Timothy. Here's another model right here. What a good role model that we have right here in this man. So, uh, Timothy is a good example of an unselfish servant. Ephrodias is a great example of a suffering servant. And these, these are, uh, there are four things we can specially learn from Ephrodias right here. Number one, ministry does not exempt you from suffering. Number two, ministry increases your burdens along with your joys. And number three, ministry involves risks. Number four, we should honor those who give their lives in ministry to others. We're going to look at those four points. We see this about this guy right here. So folks, through many years of being a Christian, I have met many people who suffer a good amount of pain, but never detour them from serving the Lord. I'll tell you what, for my almost 25 years of being a Christian, I've seen many Christian brothers and sisters who have many illness, many pains, some emotional pains, some physical pains, some, some all kinds of stuff. But i tell you what, I, seen, I know many people, and many come to mind, who are still serving the Lord, now deter them from serving the Lord. They keep serving the Lord, regardless of what they're going through. And in some cases, you don't even know some of them are suffering. They keep between them and the Lord. Okay, so, let's look at tonight at these four points about this suffering servant uh, named Ephrodite. So, number one, we see a letter A. Ministry does not exempt anyone from suffering. Look what it says in verse 25, in verse 26. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Ephrodias, my brother. See, it doesn't say my son. He says my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your, mes but your messenger, and he had ministered to my wants. He was a messenger. The church of Philippi sent this man to, to Paul. And on Lucas says, verse 26, For uh, he long after you all, he wants to go back, and was full of heaviness because of it. Lucas says, because he had heard that he, uh, I'm sorry, because that he had heard that he has been sick. So this guy, Aphrodias, is sick right here. So the first of all, ministry does not exempt us from suffering. The Philippians had sent Aphrodias, like I said, to take care of Paul's needs, Paul was a prisoner, and as a prisoner in Rome, Paul did not get much help from the system, and so he was dependent upon others here. So the Philippians, you know, uh, uh, prison cells those days, not like today. Today they, well, they have TV, they have food that comes to them, and all. And some, some cases, uh, they don't have those things. <laughs> but in those days, you are for yourself right there. So the Philippians had sent Ephrodias with a generous financial gift to Paul, for Paul. And then Ephrodias had stayed um, to, to minister to Paul's needs uh, directly. But now Paul is going to send him back to them with this letter. So why? Because the, the Philippians had heard about Ephrodias' illness, and Ephrodias was longing to get back to them. So 
Now, Ephrodite is a good man right here. And I want you to see the depth and tenderness of Paul's heart here as he talks about Ephrodias. So Paul calls him my brother. He doesn't call him my son because I'm my brother in the faith. Paul views Timothy as a son and Ephrodias as his brother. So he calls him my fellow worker and fellow soldier. Ephrodias was a good man, but that did not exempt him from suffering. Being a soldier implies trials and conflicts. It is possible, it's possible Ephrodias might have even shared some prison time with Paul. We don't know. So Ephrodias also suffered the effects of distant, uh, being distant from home. Let me put it this way. Did you ever been homesick? You never been homesick? <laughs> it's not good. You want to be home, right? You're going to say, oh, I can't wait to get home. I remember when I was in Portugal uh, visiting, I, I found myself telling my wife, I said, oh, almost time to get home, to get back home. I'm like, what in the world I just said? <laughs> I miss home. See, something about home. And this guy right here, he is, of course, homesick. So because he said he longs to be with you. So he went on this journey to help Paul, but now he longed for his family and friends back home. And then we learn uh, that he got sick also, and not just a, a little sick, but he was life-threatened illness that he had, an illness that, that he never would have got if he had never, never been serving the Lord. I don't know, maybe he, because he was away, he got something, and he was very, very ill. So people minister, does not exempt us from suffering. Sometimes we get the idea, if I'm serving the Lord, then everything we're going to be in my life is going to be all right. Is that true? I mean, you have some preachers out there that, that say that. If you do this for the Lord, are oh, you going to... No. No. I know many Christian people right now who are suffering. Are they less Christians than we are? No, that's not true. There are many Christians who are suffering great, a great amount of illness, but guess, guess what? You know what? They're not less than us. They still love the Lord. They still love the Lord, folks. So, the, some people think, oh, if I'm, you know, sometimes we get the idea, if I'm serving the Lord, then everything will be right in my life. I won't have any financial difficulties. Really? Okay, I won't have any illness. Really? I won't experience any personal tragedies in my life. Folks, all I can say is this. What fairy tale have you been reading if you believe that? Because I know many Christians, you are suffering a great deal in our world. Because that's not reality. And that's not what God promised. And that is not the experience of those serving Christ in this world. History is full of examples of missionaries who went forth to serve Christ to foreign lands. And many of them even lost their lives in the process. You say, well, well maybe there was sin in their lives. No. We live in a strange land. We are citizens of heaven. And you know what? We have a message on which people reject it. And someone rejected in an anger way and expressed himself in an angry way with angry attitudes. And many missionaries have lost their lives in the process. As even today, if you read the voice of the martyrs, you will see how many Christians have lost their lives serving the Lord. So it's not a foreign thing. So because that is not reality, folks. So Ephrodite shows us the suffering side of service in ministry. So the Christian life is rooted in the cross. We have a large cross in our church, if you look up front. 
the cross of suffering service as we follow him in this world. So the first thing we learn from Ephrodite is that ministry does not exempt us from suffering. So if you are suffering, don't be surprised, neither be discouraged. The Lord knows exactly where you are and knows who you are. You are there to him, he loves you, he cares about you. He knows you're suffering. He's not like you, you pray to him and you go and God says, Oh, really? You saw, I didn't know that. He knows. Let it be. Ministry increases burdens along with joy. Look at verse 27. For indeed he was sick and uh, night unto death, but God had mercy on him, not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more careful, uh, carefully that when ye see him again, we may rejoice and that I may be, la uh, be less sorrowful. Secondly, ministry increases our burdens along with joys. So now, we, we just read verse 20, uh, look at verse 26, for he said, for he longed after you all. And so there is a, a, a great desire from the deeps of his heart to be back in with his fa uh, church family. He was full of heaviness because that he, that, that he, uh, he had heard that he was sick. So this man was homesick. So the, the word Paul uses here was for heaviness here is the strongest of three Greek words in the New Testament, for sorrow and distress. So the only other place we find it used in the, in the, in the whole New Testament is describing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So, so Ephrodite was, was very distressful uh, uh, because of all this. He was very, very sick. He wanted to go home. He was homesick. Not only homesick, he was physically ill as well. So he wanted to get home. So, now it doesn't mean that he didn't love Paul. He just wanted to be home with his church family. What is amazing here is that Ephrodite was distressed not because he was ill, but because the Philippians had heard that he was, he was ill. Talk about focusing on others rather than yourself. There was no, no instant communication in those, like I said. It was he was going himself. So suffering is an opportunity to glorify God by trusting Him and continue to put others first. Can you imagine you suffering, you hurting, and instead of taking care of yourself, you take care of others? Wow. Talking about dying to self here. You see, ministry increases burdens along with your joys. Verse 27, Paul says, Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me upon sorrow, uh, from uh, spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So Ephrodite was ill and almost died, but Paul had mercy, uh, God had mercy on him. God healed him. This was an illness that would have indeed ended in death if God did not intervene here. But God did intervene, and Paul says it, this was not only mercy on Ephrodite, but mercy on Paul as well to spare. Paul sorrow upon sorrow. Imagine if Ephrodite would go there and would die in the presence of Paul. Paul said it would be, I couldn't keep it. That would be sorrow upon sorrow. That's what he says here. So, as much as Paul loved Ephrodite, folks, as much as he needs Ephrodite, Paul is eager to send Ephrodite back to the Philippians, uh, both for, uh, for Ephrodite's sake and for the Philippians' sake. Paul puts the needs of others first. This will, this will mean more joy for them, but also less anxiety and sorry for him. So ministry, folks, in many, uh, have many joys, but ministry have many sorrows as well. 
And yet there are many burdens that come with ministry. Folks, I'll tell you this. I've been ministering for seven years now. And I tell you that. Being a pastor has a lot of joy that you experience. Believe me, a lot of joy. But as is sorrows as well. It goes hand in hand. And when you learn from both sides how good God is and what God can do. And I tell you what. People is people, and we need each other. But let me tell you, at my own, for my own uh, 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 testimony, ministry has joys, but ministry, ministry has sorrows as well. And Paul brings it in here for us, reminds us uh, of this. Let, let us see, ministry involves risk. Ministry involves risk. Now, uh, verse 30, it says, Because of the work of Christ, that it was not unto that, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service towards me. So a third time, we learn from Aphrodite, and that ministry involves risk. And we read about this in verse 30. So I'll tell you what. What a good role model. A person that is suffering, a person that is ill, and he says it is a good example to look up to. You know what? Because what, when we see somebody with so much suffering and still steady, day in, day out, serving God, you say, wow, what example. Isn't that a good role model? I believe it is. I believe it is. See, Paul was in prison, and the Philippians could not be there with him, but they could send someone to be with him. So they sent Ephrodias, and he completed his mission at great risk to himself. Ministry, folks, involves risk. There is a personal risk as you step out in faith and share the gospel with others. There is a financial risk as you step out in faith in and you're giving and resources to the work of Christ. Sometimes there's a risk, a family risk on you uh, as you step in faith, trusting that God will take care of your family needs. And although we are com- we are completely in God's hands, and so and so all this risk is from from a human standpoint. We need to trust God, and that's what we do. So bad things do happen. People do get hurt. Families take a beating. Ministry does not they not exempt us from suffering. So why do we do it? <laughs> if ministries, uh, if ministry does, it takes a risk. Why do we do it? Because we love God. Amen. That's why we do it. Because He is worthy. That's, right. That's why we do it. Why in the world does a person leave America, the land of comfort, quits a job, sells a house, everything, and goes to a third world country, living such conditions, many of them? Why do they do that? Because He is worthy. Is that a risk? Yes. How many missionaries go to the mission field and some of them even come home because, because they got some illness? It happens. It takes risks. Like I said, how many, how many lose their lives? Many have lose, lost their lives. You know what? It takes risk. This thing about, you know, if you follow the Lord and nothing bad is going to happen to you, it will happen to you because many wouldn't like your message. Many people in America don't like our message. So why do we do it? Because we do it because he is worthy. When you are when you are willing to suffer for Jesus in the gospel, you demonstrate to the world that there is no greater purpose, there is no greater cause, there is no greater work than obey God by serving Jesus and others through the gospel. There's no greater cause. Listen, I have my job, I work all day, but I tell you what, I love being here. I love preach God's, preaching God's word. I love to minister to people. What a wonderful thing to do. Ministry to people in Christ. Letter D. 
Honor those who give their lives in ministry to others. Honor those. Listen, when you go out of your way and you minister to others' needs, and you yourself, you are in need, I honor you for that. I honor you for that. I have great respect for you. You know, to just go out of your way for the, for the sake of helping others. You know, somebody needs a meal. We have a driver. What are you doing? You go out of your way taking your own time for the sake of others. Or you take time out of your life and serve in the food pantry. What are you doing? You're taking time out of your life for the sake of others. You might have something you need to do for yourself, but you take that time to serve others in Jesus' name. That's, I honor you for that. That's great respect. Any ministry that we do. You know, you could be having a pleasant time doing something, but you're sitting down preparing a Sunday school message. You're taking your time. Why? Because you have others in mind that you want to minister to. You know, I honor you for that. You know, you could be somewhere else doing something, but you're here cleaning the church. That's an honorable thing. You see, as many things we, we do for others in Jesus' name, you know what? It's honorable. Because we can do, do, do all kinds of things for our own self, taking care of our own self and say, me first. No, we're taking that time, the time that God gave us, and we serve others. I tell you, I honor you for that. So, what we see right here, Ephrodias left his home church, went to see Paul. He's homesick for his church, but he's also ill. And you know what? What he does, he puts himself aside. He wants to minister to others. A ministry does not exempt, like I said, you from suffering. Ministry increases your burdens along with your, with your joys. Ministry involves risk. And here we see their ministry. Uh, the final thing we learned from Ephrodite in this is we should honor those who give their lives in ministry to others. Paul tells the Philippians, when Ephrodias gets there, first of all, welcome him in the Lord. Receive him gladly. Let your hearts be full of joy when you see him. Make a time for great celebration. And then honor him. Throw him a party if you have to. Hold him a banquet. You say, wow. I'll tell you what. I should do more for you. I say, for you. Here at our home church. You say, what? I should honor you. You know what I'm going to do from now on? From time to time, I'm going to book you for a dinner with me. You say, Pastor, you're going to do that? Yes, I want to say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, like, oh, I'm going to serve God from now on so God can, Pastor can take me out. To, that's not what it is. Because yeah. if I don't do it, you're going to do it anywhere. You're going to serve the Lord anywhere, regardless. I said, give him a standing ovation when he comes. Let him, uh, let him uh, know that you love him. I conclude with this, folks. Timothy... And Ephrodias are two godly examples that a, any Christian can pattern themselves after and say, well, I can pattern. I mean, ultimately, don't misunderstand me here. Ultimately, we are to turn more into the image of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. But what two godly examples of two human beings of a godly example to defend things, to defend people. They do two different things, but yet both are some things that we can pattern ourselves after that. And yes, you are right. They are, those two men are not rock stars, movie stars. They're not. Or comedians or sports stars. Those two men, those two are two godly men, and they are role models for those who want to follow the Lord. Those two men are, are not popular in the eyes of the world, but the Lord made sure that their names were written in His words for our example. Timothy is a great example of an unselfish servant. Ephrodias is a great example of a suffering servant. 
And as we close tonight, I would like to apply this message by bringing your attention to a number of faithful servants from our own midst, you also examples of role models. I, I would commend you, first of all, of our missionaries. They left their homeland to serve the Lord. Timothy, our missionary, take a genuine interest in others, but they put Christ's interest first, and they have proven themselves in the work of Christ. And like Aphrodite, they have learned that ministry that does not exempt us from suffering. I remember our missionary brother Showers, when he came here to our church. He was coming here for, uh, I forgot what time, the last time he was here. And he called me. And he said, brother, you don't understand, my trailer is broken down and mass spike. I said, where are you? I said, I wanted to go help him. And he like, you know, I said, well, the Lord, what we said, the Lord will provide. He said, don't worry, brother. I said, I'm going to go there to help you. Where are you? Just, I said, he said, the Lord will provide. And the Lord provided. He called me back and said, you know, two men just stopped on the side of the road, and they're just going to help me up. Praise the Lord for that. And like, you know what? God is good. And so that's examples of, of, of missionaries and stuff. So we honor people in our church. You are faithful to the house of the Lord. We honor people in our church that in spite of emotional illness or physical illness, continue to faithfully serve the Lord. And I applaud you for this. Our passage this morning gives us, uh, tonight gives us two great role models here, Timothy and Ephrodite. But let me tell you, I look at you, our own congregation here, I say, what you do for God, it honors me. I mean, I honor for what you do. Don't do it for me, do it for God. That's what we, we need to do. Do it for God. But it, it blesses my heart to see your faithfulness. It really does. You are, yeah, I tell you what, what a great two role models here. You know, don't be like, don't be them. We're not to be them, but we can see their examples, the way they live their lives. And through them, we can look at the, the, their lives and say, oh, that can, if I pattern myself after this person, you know what? I would be more like Christ. And that's the purpose of it, so we can be more like Jesus in our world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture.